Disclaimer. The following podcast contains explicit language and adult content. The content may offend some listeners. Relax and don't be a hater. Hello. Welcome to a walk in the park podcast. (laughs) This is Riss. And this is Babs. And in our podcast, we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of wine, cake, laughter, friendship, success, families, fun, the extraordinary. We're happy you're listening. I can't stop laughing. <laughs> I love it. Let's just get this walk started, baby. Woo-woo. Guys, how do you talk about life when you haven't even lived at all? And how do you talk about love when the only thing you love is your dog? I don't know. episode we talk about the murder of George Floyd and the protests and riots that ensued therefrom. Uh, It is a snapshot in time of course and things have continued to develop since we recorded this podcast so please be aware of that when you're listening and of course it wouldn't be a walk in the park podcast unless we also spent a fair amount of time talking about sports. Uh, in this time as things, at least in the United States, seem to get crazier and crazier and not in a good way, we hope you can still listen and enjoy. This is a Walk in the Park podcast. Yay! Yay Yay for podcasting. Boo for technical difficulties. But they happen. It's all good. I hate them. Yeah. <laughs> I hate technical I, I hate technical difficulties. Uh, the worst. We're fine. I mean, admittedly, there are a lot of things in life that are worse than that. We're living through some of them right now, of course. But just because the world is going to hell in a handbasket doesn't mean that you know the regular things that bother us are just going to go away, right? Right. So having said that, what is today's roundup, people? Uh, well, it's Saturday and it's beautiful here in the Atlanta area. Beautiful in weather. Beautiful. Only not in, in life. Earth. Not in life. No. Yes, not in life. We have some riots going on here in the Atlanta. I, I haven't checked the news, so I don't know if they've calmed down a little bit. They start. The crazy thing is, yesterday they started out relatively calm. Yes. Uh, um, the mayor. I was, was watching all the coverage yesterday. Yeah, the you mayor were. out saying she, she's saying she's very proud of her city, given that it was like the birthplace of civil rights and Martin Luther King, and we, the city was handling its own and taking care of itself. They were um, peacefully protesting, and then sometime in the six thirty seven o'clock time frame, it went from it was weird. I was watching. I went from ABC coverage to talking to the mayor to somehow Fox came on and they were showing a a complete riot going on in front of the CNN building, which I thought was crazy. I'm like, they're not covering this on ABC. So it was just a really weird thing. And then, of course, later on, you see the riots and um, how bad it was getting in the city. And I just... I'm always just curious what starts... Or it turns peaceful protests into violent riots. And I'm, this is yeah. going to be a popular opinion, but 
I'm always of the mind that perhaps it could be either a protester or a police officer that kind of perhaps even inadvertently escalates things somehow. Something said, maybe something like non-lethal is tossed, like a water bottle or, you know, just something that seems rude or unfriendly, right? Right. But... I personally hold the police to a higher standard than the protesters. And from what I read, it said that the protests turned away from being peaceful when a police officer and a protester got into it some, at some point in front of the CNN building. And then that just escalated everything. And to me, I'm like, all right, these people are unarmed. The police officer is in a position of power. So if somebody does something, if a protester does something that you think crosses the line, then just handcuff and arrest that person. Right. Now, I don't know. Maybe that happened and maybe that spurred other people to flip out. I don't know. That's the part to me that I didn't see written up any specific detail of what happened. I would think that, I think you're right. I think something, maybe, you know, the police show up and they're not doing anything. They're just watching, like, for crowd control. And then maybe something like that happens. And it it causes everybody to think, well, now this is a mob scene. We need to uh, get violence over it. And it it makes me sad. It makes me sad. Yeah, I need it on both sides. But I don't don't know what to say out of it, you know? Well... MB wasn't born yet, but do you remember the Rodney King riots in 92? Oh, yeah. yeah, but we can see why that was spurred on. I mean, that was... This is kind of similar, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean... Absolutely. It's absolutely. like... And I totally appreciate the fact... I mean, I am... Let's see, how do I say this? I don't want to make it a sides thing, but I am completely in alignment with the people who think George Floyd's death was an avoidable murder. Like, that's completely ridiculous that that officer kneeled on his neck for almost nine minutes, including almost three minutes after he was completely unresponsive, that they checked for a pulse, didn't find one, and didn't bother starting CPR. I mean, all four of those officers, in my opinion, should never be able to work as police officers again, and they should probably all go to jail for an extended period of time. But After the first they have off- their trial. The right. first officer is charged with third-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter. Yeah. I know. Isn't that interesting, MB? Because when I first read that, I was like, and as you know, I went to law school, I'm like, Third-degree murder? I've never heard of third-degree murder. I've heard of first-degree murder and second-degree murder. When I saw that the story said Minnesota is just one of the states that happens to have a third-degree murder, and I do find it, I find it interesting, and I saw it's punishable. This was so weird to me, though. What I read was it's punishable by up to 25 years in prison, which seems, I understand that, right? Because, like, first-degree murder would be, like, death penalty or life in prison without parole. Second degree murder is certainly usually at least life in prison. So third degree murder, you know, 25 years. But it said up to 25 years in prison or a, like something like a $40,000 fine <laughs> or both. And I was like, hmm, I'm not really sure that you should put a monetary value of $40,000 on someone's life. But maybe that's just me. No, no. It's weird, because right? There'll be plenty of 
time for the civil suits afterwards once they're, uh, you know, um, whatchamacallit, sent to jail. But well, and it is interesting because I assume they can sue the city or the state, whoever employed the police officers, because you can't assume the police officers have any actual right. money to pay a civil suit right. damage. But really, and again, I mean, the other thing that bothered me about this, and I've not spent enough time with it, so I know what I'm saying sounds judgmental, but like other people we're witnessing this. Like, obviously, the three of us weren't there, but people like us could have been there. And I like to think that if I was there and this man was, like, saying I can't breathe, that I would have done something about it. Well, like, people were on, uh, you can hear them on video saying, get up. You can, right. I mean, you obviously can't force yourself onto a police officer. I think I would have, actually. Maybe. I Maybe, but I mean, maybe your thought is if you're looking at them and you're telling the police officer, get up, that's the only thing you think you can do or want to do. You know, you maybe because at that point, you might even start a whole shooting at that point. So I don't even know. And you'd probably be in with it well within your rights to start that. But well, no, that's a good point. You, you're, you could pause because you'd think you might escalate the situation. Right. Um, but they were telling him to get up. But there's no, I mean, from what I understand as well, and there is no excuse. First of all, the man was an unarmed, in handcuffs. Like, what did they actually think he was going to do to them? If you don't want to interact with him, can't you just shove him in the back of your police car? Absolutely. And that's why a lot of this nonsense needs to change, because I think that the police just take their the law one step further they kind of take it into their own hands and not all of them but some of them based on what they're feeling at that moment and that's probably what makes it a little scary because i think that they just get you have to i you know i always look at it on the other side too cops are human beings and Mm -hmm. what they think is right which you sometimes is wrong um and i think they just escalate it because they're either freaking out or they don't want to get killed or they don't know what's going to happen. So they just, they, they just, they're overwhelmed. And I don't, it doesn't look to me like this man, George Floyd was uh, resisting arrest. That's the thing that bothers me. And also his alleged crime was passing a counterfeit bill at a convenience store. That's not even a violent crime. No, and that's the other thing that bothers me about this. I'm like, wait a second. He wasn't breaking and entering. He wasn't raping anybody. He wasn't murdering anybody. He wasn't stealing anything. He was literally just trying to pass a bad check. And he, he wasn't even... Well, a, no, a bad no, bill. Like, a bad bill. I know, any of us could take money from somebody, right, as payment in cash. I don't study my bills to see no. if they're legitimate. Like, no. I could pass it unwittingly. <laughs> Uh, my question is, who gave them the counterfeit bill? That's right. And that investigation would have come out. But I think if if you arrested him, then you could have interviewed him and been like, where did you get this? Now, I'm not saying he wasn't involved in some type of counterfeiting scheme, but we don't kill right. people over that. And my thing is, right. I think perhaps police officers should be very extensively psychologically tested and repeatedly before they are even allowed to interact with the public. Right. Because just I because completely you pass, agree. Just because you pass a test, just because you pass the police academy, 
you know, however many years ago or however it is one becomes a police officer these days, that doesn't mean that your psychological um, well-being doesn't change over time. And maybe you're never very well suited for it. I think, and I'll say this like the law, I do think positions of power lend themselves to people who want to abuse others. Police officers, lawyers, even doctors. I mean, any profession where you're in a position of power over somebody, you're always going to attract that type of person. Right. I think. Um, Obviously, I personally, the reason I get so upset about it is because as a member of what I like to think of as a civilized society, I want to believe that all police officers are good, decent human beings who won't do horrible things. And then the, uh, the protesters in Atlanta vandalized the CNN sign. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. So on that note, that's the other point I want to bring up. I don't know when, when looting becomes okay. No, it's never okay. Right, it's never so okay. I don't know why people escalate it to the point where it's just like, Hey, I'm going to vandalize this store or this uh, business and to a point where it's torched and somebody very well could have been building up that business over the last 20 years and now it's all gone. I don't Yeah, know no, that's completely senseless and horrible. I don't and know I think people who do that have lost their minds a little because that's their only outlet. They commit right. crimes against property. To avoid committing crimes against people. But yes, it's like, and also, I mean, certain areas, you, not knowing who did the looting and the vandalism, I mean, but different areas that were attacked, you see them as signs of the establishment, right? CNN, the media, um, places like Lennox and Phipps and Buckhead, those stores in Buckhead, people, I'm sure did that looting assume all those people are like rich, wealthy people who support Trump and who are racists and part of the problem. And the reality is you don't know that. Right. Just because somebody owns a business in Buckhead doesn't mean, you know, they're bad people or they've done something. And of course nobody deserves whatever. Nobody deserves to have their property destroyed like that. So, but similarly, I mean, those protesters, if they can be found, they should be arrested and given their day in court. Right. But the, the thing to me that's critical is you don't, like I read, I can't remember which state it was or which city, but some city, and maybe it was in Minneapolis and Minnesota where this all started, was saying that like peaceful demonstrations were against the law or those people are going to be arrested. And that bothers me. Yeah, because that's, that's against, that's, that's against the law in of itself to even think that. It does go against the tenets of free speech. I mean, free right. speech is free speech is regulated by um, time, place, and manner restrictions. So, for example, you can't protest in the middle of 400 and block traffic, right? Right. And we saw that a few years ago. But the answer is then to arrest those people and charge them with that crime. Like, if people want to have peaceful protests, like here in Atlanta, they were marching from Centennial Park over to the Capitol building and back. And that is not a long walk. I mean, I'm familiar with that area. And uh, it was fine. So, like I said, something happened. And, again, looting is not the answer. Certainly, setting a police car on fire is not possible. 
It's not acceptable. I mean, but in that situation. Or breaking windows. Yeah, no, none of that is acceptable behavior. Um, But we have just seen, I mean, history has proven time and time again that once a little fire is ignited, it's going to spread and then you have to be under control. Um, And I hate it when the reaction to the protests, it should not obscure the fact that this man was killed in broad daylight by police. I saw another picture that showed, um, they said a different angle and it had three police officers kneeling on him. So not just the guy on his neck, but another one on his chest and another one like, I mean, yeah, really? A man subdued in handcuffs needs on the ground needs three officers to sit on him for nine minutes. Now, I don't know that the other two officers sat on him that long, but they clocked the guy who, the officer who um, sat on his neck for nine. I mean, who does that? Like, that officer has to be totally screwed in the head. That's a long period of time. Even if you lost it for like 30 or 45 seconds, and then for the other three to be in on it and just let this officer do that. And well, it's just like, all right, subdue him. And then the other two officers or whatever should have picked him up with him and put him in the backseat of the car. And that would have been that. Put him in the back of a car. I just, I just... I'm not even a police officer and I know that's what they do. It's just like, you know what? They're going to subdue you and then they're going to arrest you and put you in the car and boom, Don, take you down to the municipal building or the jail or whatever. Yeah. And so think about it. These officers are either inherently evil people who never should have become police officers. Not necessarily evil, just stupid. Or no, I see, I, I like to believe, okay, that they're not stupid per se, but the first officer has a history of complaints made against him. Ah, right there. See, that's yeah. a problem. They yeah. should, police department should be taking that more seriously, actually. Sorry, if you get a certain number of complaints against you and they're investigated and don't seem entirely illegitimate, you're gone. Right. I mean, I just, it's horrible. So like I was saying, I, I support the people who protested. I yeah. Was surprised. I don't support the violence. It's also just because it's you could end up hurting innocent bystanders. I'm not talking about the owners who you know own the buildings and the businesses that were vandalized and damaged, but just other peaceful protesters there with you, right? I mean, you came out in good faith for a peaceful protest, so you just you can't. You can't resort to that. It's never going to, it's never going to end well. Nope. No. And, you know, it's also based a lot of on frustration. And that's a very conversation for another podcast, I think. But the frustration on behalf of people of color in this country and the way they're treated. So, but that, like I said, that's a much bigger conversation. Well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just, been happening for so long. It's just been so... And what cracks me up are people are like, they're always shocked and I'm like, why are you shocked? It's the only difference between now and 100 years ago is now we have a lot more proof because people have cameras in their phones. They're right. walking around with cameras and, and, and they're they're recording everything now. So that's really the only difference. This, is, this has never ended. This has never stopped. It's just we can see it now. That's right. That's right. We have more 
insight into what's going on. So right. it is interesting. It's like hard to tell if something is worse now than it was a hundred years ago, but it's bad enough. Right. So. Right. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm glad that the police officers were fired very quickly. I'm glad that the charges were brought against the one officer quickly. And I did read that they expect some charges to be filed against the other officers. And anybody that has a problem with that, I say too bad. Unlike George Floyd, these officers will get their day in court. So yeah, it should be interesting to see what happens. Um, hopefully they will get a uh, good prosecutor involved in, in this case who is really taking, who has first off, obviously no connection with these people. Um, that would be the best thing to do because we've seen in recent months that that's not always the case. And sometimes that, messes things up. So we're, we're looking for a very formal inquiry into this with people who are not related to these people at all in any shape, way, or form. And uh, hopefully the, the George uh, Floyd's family will get um, their day in court as well as the guy, I can't remember, Armand? Ahmaud uh, Arbery. Yeah. yeah. Here in Georgia. I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I pray for these, these families and I, I pray for, for people who are hurting from this. It's just, I, it's the whole concept on a cliche level of just history repeating itself and not learning from history, right? I mean, we saw this in the 60s. Minorities, in particular the African-American community, just finally got fed up. A hundred years after the Civil War, they still don't have basic rights secured. And, you know, people did something about it. And, you know, it's hard when you're not a part of the community that's being attacked to know, to know how to ally yourselves with them in, like, a respectful and purposeful way. Right, right. Um, that's a big conversation. I'm just, it's, it just sucks that every t I hate that these things happen. And then we have the conversation and it just kind of dies out until the next time. And it's a bigger conversation that needs to be held on a regular basis so we can start to prevent these things. Well, and it's like you said, I mean, the reality is at the end of the day, and all of us can be, well, I'm not above this, you get overwhelmed, right? And when you right, get right, overwhelmed, right. you shut down. Right. And so that is, yeah, that's hard to figure out. And then, you know, if you don't stay engaged or plugged in, sometimes it's hard to know how you're going to re-engage. I don't like it. It's all, I wish I could say it's all unbelievable, but it really just isn't. Right. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, anyway, okay. let's move forward if we can. Something a little bit more lighthearted. All right. Well, anybody, respecting I, the severity of the world around us, let's switch to something a little more lighthearted. What do you have for us, Russ? Oh, no, I was just going to uh, ask what everybody was doing this weekend since we did have, we do have beautiful weather. Is anybody going outside or doing anything, playing some tennis? Babs, are you playing tennis? Oh, you know me. <laughs> Can't drag me <laughs> off the courts. I 
you know your husband is, so did he play over at my courts? He did, I think. Did he play in a group or just singles? No, he just plays singles. Okay, that's cool. I played tennis. What? Yeah, I played tennis. No. How was it? I played a lot. I did lessons with Mr. Jack. Oh, nice. How's he doing? Good. Fully recovered from all of his horrible injuries, however many years ago now. Yeah. He fell off the ladder. Yeah. I was outside on my back porch most of the day reading a book by my one of my favorite authors. He's a Japanese author, Haruki Murakami. I'm currently oh, one of his 925-page books. It's called 1Q84, and it's a play on George Orwell's 1984. And so, I don't know, oh. a couple of pages in, and it's pretty interesting. I Yeah, so I, I really like him. I'm trying to read more during this pandemic. related to tennis. Naomi Osaka surpasses Serena Williams as the world's highest-paid female athlete, according to Forbes. That's horrible. I don't like that. How dare they? So based on what? Yeah, based on what? Well, she did accomplish the U.S. Open, right? And then that's it. Yeah, how can... I don't understand this. I don't know what that's based on. Yeah, Michael, what does the article say? I think it's related on how I think Osaka's listed as making thirty-seven point four million over the past twelve months from prize money and endorsements. Okay, this puts her at one point four million more than Williams. Just in the past twelve months, though. Yeah. yeah. Overall, I don't think anyone in women's tennis has made more money than Serena Williams over the years. And in fact, I suspect most men have not made more money than Serena but, Williams. But her main thing is Osaka cashes in on her sponsorship deals. Her main deals with Nike, which paid her over $10 million last year for an agreement that runs until 2025. Hmm. Well, you know how I feel about Osaka. Hashtag don't like her. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag don't care. Hashtag go away. <laughs> you know what? I want to like her, but she's always got a puss on her face. And I it's not that she's an angry person, it's just the way she looks. It's like she looks she always looks perpetually angry. We call that resting you know what face. Exactly. I didn't want to say it, but yes, but yeah. It's like she's a Karen, even though she's only what? Twenty? Yeah, the Karen. That's a new thing. Where did that come from? The Karen. So funny you should ask. I I know how Karen became a meme and what real life Karens think about it. So is generally defined as someone who throws a tantrum at a Starbucks, who has to speak to the manager over the slightest inconvenience, who uses tears to get what she wants. It's also someone who calls the police on black people for, say, asking that they leave. Oh, yeah, that brings me to the Central Park incident. Central Park, yes, correct. Oh, right, right. Um, this is how the term got started. It said... Says that these names have recently become popularized thanks to, thanks to the cultural force of black Twitter. These names aren't anything new. It's not just, quote, Karen, of course. There are also names like Becky which has also come to symbolize a certain stereotype of whiteness. And Susan and Chad. <laughs> oh, here you go. 
Andre Brock is an associate professor at Georgia Tech, and he spent years studying the intersections of race and digital culture. So he says, even comedian Dane Cook, in a bit from 2005. I love Dane Cook. Karen, yes, is the butt of a joke, is a placeholder for the friend no one actually liked. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's my sister-in-law's name, Karen. But she doesn't. Hey, when I was going to change my name to Karen, you know, because I hated the name Barbara before I <laughs> adopted my high school field hockey nickname of Babs, I was legally going to change my name and I was going to do Karen because what can anyone have against Karen? Right. Now, of course, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> Which I actually I, didn't because one of my close friends had a sister in law named Karen who she hated. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's Good times. Funny. How's it going, August? Good, how are you? You know, living the dream. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where'd you just go? Where'd you get back from? Fishing. Oh, nice. Did you catch fishing. anything? Nope, nothing. Yeah, they go fishing here in the neighborhood at the lake by the pool. Oh. Yeah. They should tell the HOA use some of the dues to stock that pond. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That, that would go over real big. It could help aerate it, too, you know, because the fountain was put in to aerate that lake so that it didn't have to be dredged because dredging it, I remember when I was on the board, was going to cost, like, maybe $25,000. Oh, wow. So they put in a $5,000 fountain to try to keep it aerated, but fish would also help that. Right. Yeah. Good times. Good times. <laughs> yes. You will. You will. I'm trying to think if there's anything more to say about the Karens before we move on from that. No, but to get back to a, a, a quick tennis uh, quip. Yes. Uh, thank you, August. It was great <laughs> seeing you. Have fun. Um, I guess so I was listening to another podcast the, uh, just this morning, and um, I was painting one of my one of my decks. I have two decks for our listeners to understand. One deck I painted already and the second deck I'm working on now because it's been raining here so I haven't been able to get outside and do it. But as I was listening to the podcast, they were talking about a new book they were reading and it was the Andre Agassi uh, biography or autobiography. Um, yeah, what was it called? Open? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Okay. Um, I just thought it was kind of funny because now I feel like I have to read it. So one of the things in it was I totally forgot that for a blip, he dated uh, Barbara Streisand. Oh, I did not know that at all. Yeah. It was just like a, a blip. And then... Um, That's so I, weird. I, I, She's not like old enough to be his mom? Uh, yeah, exactly. There's like I'll a... Look this up. So, um, and then uh, he grew up, his father uh, was Armenian. And when they were shopping for houses when he was like seven years old, apparently he would, go, he would walk straight through the house, go to the backyard and start measuring. And if it didn't meet his requirements, then he would say, we're all leaving. And the requirements were that it had to be big enough to build his own tennis court. Oh, I know. I Jonathan read that book, and he said Agassi's dad was actually a nightmare, and that Agassi actually hated tennis and never wanted yes. to play it. By the way, Barbara Streisand is like twenty-eight years older than Andre Agassi. Yep. Okay, I was close. So I said thirty. Twenty-eight. All right. 
Yeah, he would make him hit so many balls a day so that by, I forgot, by the time he was a certain age, he would have said he could, he had hit a million balls or something. So, I mean, it was a crazy amount of balls he would have to hit every day. As we oh, know, according to Malcolm Gladwell, you only need 10,000 hours. <laughs> but this is what I thought, oh, this is the best thing. So what he did was the father lifted the, the, um, the net a foot. Oh. So that by the time he started playing tournaments, he was always hitting, he never hit the net. Right. Always hitting it at the right uh, height. Nice. So, now that, that I could get behind. I should do that. Interesting. They do. They, you know, back in the day. So what is this you just shared, MB? Federer ranked by Forbes as top sports earner? What? Yeah. Of all sports of all time? How can that be correct? I'm reading it. It says, okay. guess who's at number eight? Tiger Woods. Really? Yeah. It goes, Roger Federer at number one. It goes. All right, I see that. It says for, Federer is the first tennis player in Forbes' 30-year history of ranking athlete earnings to land at number one. Huh. But a big part of his incoming cash, of course, came off the court as he makes $100 million in endorsement deals from Uniqlo, Credit Suisse, Mercedes-Benz, and 10 other partners. He's such a nice guy, though. I don't begrudge yeah. him. Yeah. Nope. Uh, he's the best, I think. He's wonderful. Mind. He's wonderful. And I believe Jonathan when he said Roger Federer changed the game of tennis for the better. Yep. I agree. Oh, because Jonathan's old enough that he remembers, you know, McEnroe, Bjorg, Connors, you know, basically all these babies, you know, who were horrible, horrible behavior on and off the court. And Federer came in and just classed it up and everybody looked to him. And it's like tennis players, the male tennis players, you know, stopped behaving as badly. Well, funny you should say that because August and I, we like to watch um, old tennis, especially August. He likes to get on YouTube and, and look up Federer. And um, we found a whole bunch of video of Federer blowing up on the courts. And he did that when he was younger. Yes, yes he, and he admits he it. He does, but I'd like to know how that changed. And was it a sports psychologist or was it somebody said something to him? Like, I would like to read his autobiography so I know what happened to him in that space of time that he finally grew up because I'm dealing with that right now at home with somebody in particular whose name starts with an A. Interesting. <laughs> well, I think he has talked about it. Like, I can't remember if he pinpointed an exact moment where he just realized, like, I have to stop behaving like that. Right. Um, maybe it was Mirka. What's Mirka? His wife, Mirka. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was on the tour. Maybe she's like, I'm not going to date you if you behave like this. Yeah. How many does he have? Three or four? I know he has twins. Four. He has two four. sets of twins. First, oh, he had girl he had, twins. That's... Yeah, two sets of twins. First, he had girl twins, and then he had boy twins. Wow. 
I didn't yep. know that. I don't know how I didn't know that, but that's the built-in doubles kids, if he wants. Yeah. Mixed and male and female. Nice. I don't know. I don't know that his kids even play tennis. I think his boys are still pretty little. I feel like his kids are maybe like ten and five or twelve and seven, something like that. Right. Right. But it's like you look at Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf's kids, and clearly they didn't go into tennis. Oh, gosh, how old are they by now? They've got to be almost college. Oh, I think the son's in college. I feel like wow. within the last couple of years I read, he might have even been – He his thing was baseball, so he might even be in the minor league baseball system somewhere. Oh, we're going to have to do a little research on that. <laughs> I don't know. All right, MB, what else do you have for us? What else should we be covering on this glorious May day in the coronavirus the pandemic? The NBA is on your return – I think they shouldn't be allowed to. <laughs> I don't know. I had heard that. I, I heard they were going to um, do everything at like ESPN World in Orlando. They were going to create this bubble where everybody, all NBA players and their families are just going to stay there and they're just going to play out whatever they're going to do. It says, sources say, NBA... NBA's Board of Governors are expected to approve Adam Silver's restart plan next Thursday. And what is his restart plan? Because I feel like they've put forward so many at this point. It says this format likely would include regular season and playing games to compete for playoff berths in both the Eastern and Western conferences, sources said. The NBA needs a third force majority of owners to approve a return to play plan and an overwhelming majority of owners expressed a desire to do precisely that on both a board of governors call on Friday and later in an interviews with ESPN. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I, of course, just care mostly about the return of the NFL. You see, I don't even care about that. I care Whoa! about <laughs> Marissa, how dare you? Well, I think because I'm connected more with tennis just because I can play it. I can't play football. So I, when I watch football, I, it doesn't have the same type of meaning. I don't have the same type of connection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, no, don't get me wrong. I do miss football. I really do. But it's just, it just doesn't have the same. I miss being able to see Tiger Woods playing golf. That's all I watch it for is to see Tiger Woods play golf. Did you watch the celebrity where Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning competed Beat. against Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady? Yeah. Did you see, Did you see Tom Brady's awesome shot? It, Which I have recorded on my phone, of course, for posterity. I recorded it off the TV when Tom made this amazing shot. I believe at the end of it, yourself, Tom and Phil lost by like one stroke maybe. And I'm going to say that's because, as Tom said, he's still focused on winning Super Bowls, whereas Peyton, all he does is work on his golf game. So, ah, go for him. Who cares? Jonathan isn't as old as I thought he was. He's only 49. For some reason, I thought he was like Jonathan's age. <laughs> I was like, what? He's, Phil Nicholson's five years older than Tiger. Tiger's 44. Ah, okay. I didn't know that either. 
I knew he was in his 40s and I knew he was younger than me. I didn't know he was 44 until we looked it up. And of course, Tom will be 43 on August 3rd. And I don't give a crap how old Peyton Manning is because I could not care less about him. I don't think many people do. I think a lot of people do, actually. For some reason, people love the Manning family. I've heard this. They are impressive, and I, they are impressive but not I don't as understand as Tom it. Brady. Yeah, exactly. He is the most impressive. That's right. Thank you, Marissa. Thank you for acknowledging that. I don't like saying it, but it is a truth. You can't you can't disregard the truth. You know what I'm saying? It's the truth. Uh, I know. We will see if we get sports back. We're it's May 30th, so we're coming up quickly to the month of June. I just want to know when the US Open is going to announce its plan. How's it already June? Well, it's not June until Monday, but remember, who cares? We want 2020 to blow by. If I could sleep through the rest of the year, I would. Yeah, I'm with you. Give me a vaccine and yep. put me on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be on a plane before there's a vaccine, but, right. you know, you open up ending, your borders. They're ending the stay-at-home order in Washington State. Oh, yeah? When are they doing that? This weekend. Okay. If I really wanted to go to Seattle, I would. There you go. I know. It's just, it's curious. Who knows? We'll just see what happens. In the meantime, I have no problem, you know, trying to take extra precautions. I don't mind wearing a mask out in public. I know that bothers some people. I don't care. I basically do it as a sign of respect for the people that have no choice but to work out in public. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I think it's a sign of respect. If you're wearing a mask, you're not helping yourself, but you're helping other people who might have issues. I so. hope so. But some people are losing their minds about, you know, wearing a mask. They think it's an affront to their personal dignity. And a lot of people are just not very conscious and respectful of other people is what I'm finding. I'm just, I'm I, that whole business with, Oh, God, where was it recently? But not the beaches, but that one public park, a bar, whatever, where everybody's just hanging out in the pool. And I was like, listen, this is, that's unacceptable behavior. I mean, okay, so you guys, have, you guys have to listen to this. I don't think anybody that shared this with me listens to our podcast. So wait a second, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this. So I got a text on one of my group friend text threads. And this is what it said. Uh, wait. Let's see. Where is it? Oh, okay. Oh, so the friend, they were, uh, they were talking about a friend who <clears throat> went to another local public high school, not one of ours, and was happy with their drive through graduation. And then one of our friends says, P.S. Don't be like Love It and host grad party when you are COVID positive. It will make the news. <laughs> so Love It is like a fancy private school. Okay. Here. <clears throat> and then another friend said, I heard from another Love It parent that a group of kids and their moms went to the beach and all 18, I think that number is correct, tested positive when they returned. See, I don't Only four had symptoms, which is how it spread even further. First of all, I would love to know, when did those four have symptoms and why didn't you send them home? Isn't that ridiculous? 
I think that, and I also think people want to have it both ways. I just think that people are, are like, well, I'm being very careful, blah, 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 but then I'm going to send my kid to summer camp. Or, and I'm like, you can't, I don't think you should do that. I think that you, can, you have to be careful all the way around. Well, everybody has different risk tolerances, right? Right, but we, here's my whole thing. I'm still being careful, and I still, I'm social distancing or whatever. I'm doing the best I can. I'm not obviously going to be doing parties of 10 or anything anytime soon. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'll go out there and play some doubles tennis or allow my son to do that. That's not a, that doesn't seem like a big deal to me because the, for the people who I know are involved in things like that, they've been social distancing, and I feel like if you're outside, and you're far enough apart it's really not a big deal um but i think that when you get into these bigger groups that's a little scary because you can't always count on where everybody else has been you're just assuming that and you don't know if these people have it or and sometimes they don't know if they have it exactly exactly i mean i don't know if i have it maybe i have it or i, I don't know i don't know we don't know i still have my dry cough for all i know i could have it Right. And so my thought is we don't have enough testing. And also we don't know enough about this virus where, I mean, I was listening to somebody on The View with the doctor the other day, and I'm going to try and find if I can find it on YouTube, but he was extraordinary. He was talking about how he feels that we probably do need to be amongst one another because I think only 17% of the population has caught it. But we don't know how it's going to affect the rest of the population. Are they going to be asymptomatic? Is it not going to affect them? Or, it, you know, we, we, we do know who it's going to hurt. But we don't know for all the healthy people out there if they're going to get it and show no signs. Yeah, but I don't know that we should risk exposing people. You can't trust people to well, we don't, we be methodical. Right. Right. Trust it. Until yeah. you trump and to terminate our relationship with the World Health Organization. I, I saw something to that effect, and I know he's been threatening it. And all I can say is I hope that come January 20th, 2021, somebody else is being sworn in as president who will start reversing this ridiculous damage that Trump is doing. Um, so silly. So, so silly. Yeah. I... I just in the racism. I, I just know. I just can't well, even. It's an interesting election, but I don't think he'll. I think he'll be reelected. So it is what it is. Oh my god! I, I have to get out of this country. <laughs> I'm believe me. I'm trying to figure it out. I told Jonathan his corporate attorney really needs to start working on getting us the work permit for Cayman because. I think if we have a work permit, they're just in Grand Cayman, in the Cayman Islands, they're just starting to offer repatriation flights to work permit holders. Oh, okay. Um, and their spouses and dependents. But the criteria right now, anyways, you have to prove that your physical presence on the island is essential. I'm like, right. oh, believe me, I'll make it essential. Right. Just get me the work permit and I will make yeah. it essential. Oh, what? Where is the Grand Cayman Islands? Uh, it's in the Caribbean, and it's kind of like if you're looking at a map, it's southwest of Cuba. 
So it's kind of tucked a little bit closer in the Gulf of Mexico to like Texas and the Yucatan Peninsula and all that. So most of the Caribbean islands arc out from the east of Cuba, this set of islands, which is Grand Cayman, um, Cayman Brac, and that's the other one, Little Cayman? I can't remember. Guess what Governor Kemp did in case we have another protest, he authorizes up to 1,500 National Guard troops to be activated to patrol Atlanta tonight. To make I, sure did, I did hear that, and honestly, that's a very um, that's a very typical response to this situation. So I do think that he probably had to do that and should have done it. I mean, that's what that's one of the National Guard's jobs is to come in and support local police in times of unrest and protest. So, um, yeah, I don't I mean, I don't know what to say. I'm trying to remember, I mean, I'm trying to remember what the Rodney, how long the Rodney King riots lasted. Um, I mean, I know I was across the country in Poughkeepsie, New York at college and our college shut down like nobody was allowed to leave their rooms on campus um or go off campus during that time and i just thought that was so interesting since we were halfway across the country but i don't know i wonder if it's going to be something similar like that you don't Where know is it? yeah i found it. i'm reading about the 1992 was mm -hmm. it in los angeles Yep. Dude, my dad was alive. I'm going to ask him. Oh, yeah, of course he was. Yeah, yeah he was. I'm going to have to ask him about it. Seriously. Yeah, he was alive. Chris was alive. I was alive. Like I said, I was a freshman in college when it happened. Well, I bet my mom was alive, too. He definitely was. Because your parents are older than me and Marissa. Well, because we didn't move here until... I was still... One of my mom's friends was watching me while my parents were looking for a house down here. Nice. <clears throat> well, I know you were born in 2002, so your parents were definitely alive in 1992. The amount but, of people arrested, 12,000. Yeah, it was a big, it was a big deal. Yeah, I mean, that, honestly, in this country, that's the last kind of major rioting that I remember it was 1992, which is almost 30 years ago, 28 years ago. So. Uh, yeah, and then there was Tawana Brawley in New York City. When was that? That was in the early 90s. Okay. Yeah, I, that's weird. I don't remember that as well as the Rodney. Yeah. That was that was Al Sharpton. He was involved in Jesse Jackson, but that kind of blew up. And if George Floyd was alive, he would. None of this would have happened. Mm. Well, yeah, that's right. All right, wait a second, though. Here, let's see. Oh, so this was the late eighties. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Hmm. Well, let, let me see. It says. Hopefully there's no more protests tonight. I don't Hopefully know how not. Much more I can. Oh, I can't. 
If there's more protests, I can't imagine what they'll do next. They have already vandalized too much stuff. They've already they've already done too much destruction. Well, as true as that is, there's still plenty of places left untouched, right? Yeah, so, like Mercedes. I think I don't think I'll be surprised. I'll be surprised. I mean, what do I know? But I do think that the violence escalated because something very specific happened. I'm not sure that people absent that would go out and just start looting and vandalizing places a second night just to do that, right? Like we think that it turned from a peaceful protest to a violent one because of something perhaps that happened between this police officer and a protester. Right. But I don't know. We shall see. We shall see. But in the meantime, in the meantime, a wonderful episode, a wonderfully relevant episode. Yes. Of the Walk in the Park podcast. And we had fun. I had fun. I had fun. Thank All you. right. Thank We're you for search, Michael. And um, yeah, try and get outside and enjoy a little bit of the weather today if you can. I'm going to go back out and read my book. Do it. Do I it. I was up for a walk earlier this morning. Nice. Out. That's when you got to walk. And I went for a walk yesterday midday and it nearly killed me. Yeah. Yeah. Tell That's what I did yesterday and it was hot. Ugh. Yeah, it's too hot. Well, tell Jonathan we said happy birthday. I yeah. will. We'll go see what is the what now. All right. Bye for now. Bye. And don't be Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or Google Play to rate, review, and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. You can also follow us on our social media accounts. On Twitter, that's at Awit Podcast. On Facebook, you can find our A Walk in the Park Facebook page by searching at Awit Podcast. And on Instagram, you can find us at A Walk in the Park Podcast. We'd love to hear from you.